This morning, I'd like us to open in our Bibles to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. Uh, And specifically, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 15. And um, I I want to to kind of emphasize something this morning about about listening. Um, One of the things that God truly dislikes, uh, that he hates, is slothfulness. He doesn't like somebody that's lazy. He wants somebody that is uh, purposed in their heart to work uh, and to work uh, according to him, to please him, uh, to do everything in, in their power, in their might, uh, that is given to them by God, to uh, do that which is good and to do that which is righteous. This is what God wants in our life. He doesn't want us to be lazy. We live in a day and age where 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 where, where men and women are 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 kind of lax in their responsibilities. People just simply don't want to work today. They 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 want to, they want the easy things just handed to them without any effort put in. And, and, and that's not how life operates. That's not the way that God created it. So this morning I want us to, to, to look at Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to look here in verses 22 through 26, the last part of the, this chapter here. And it says in verse um, verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, And they uh, went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which uh, which when he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, And there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought from, uh, which I, I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healed thee. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again. Lord, that we can just uh, look to your word. And I pray, Lord, that this morning our hearts uh, would be uncluttered, our hearts would be uh, intently listening, that, Lord, you would je- definitely speak to us uh, from your word, that, Lord, we would understand what we have here before us, that we would understand this concept, Lord, of what we are supposed to be doing as believers and again, Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us this day, and I pray, Lord, you'd be with those that uh, cannot be here. Pray, Lord, you would just heal them up and bring them back to us uh, safely uh, and healthy, that again, Lord, we would uh, have a good time of fellowship together through your word, worshiping you together, uh, praising your name, thankful and encouraging one another, Lord, and edifying the way that you have desired us to. Again, I thank you for this time. I pray, Lord, that it will be pleasing and honoring unto you. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are in Exodus 15. The nation of Israel has just come from the Red Sea, where they saw the mighty hand of God give victory over the Egyptians. 
And as they begin to journey, just a short, a short while, we begin to see another one of their complaints. Now, this actually happens to be the third complaint of the na- nation of Israel. The first two we find when they were back over in Egypt, but here we find this is one of the ones that happens when they begin their journey. And as they're starting and heading out, you know, the one that was over there at the Red Sea when the Egyptians were pursuing, now we're beyond that. And after God has given provision, after God has given victory, they get to a place where they, again, they begin to complain and they begin to murmur and they say, what shall we drink? And they're murmuring against Moses, the man of God, the one that uh, God put in charge. And God, uh, you know, here, here's Moses, he goes to God, he prays, and, and, and a great miracle happens. And what happens is they begin to drink the water. They could dr- couldn't drink the water beforehand, but now they can drink this water. And if you're a person that's, uh, that's picky about taste and picky about those things, you'll understand when there's good water and there's bad water. Uh, if you've ever drank some water that is kind of east of the Rockies, you kind of know that there's a different flavor to it than what's over here on the west side. You know that uh, city water sometimes is not the most flavorful, uh, in, in palatable, I should say, as compared to some things of well water. And some well water is just nasty. So we, we understand that there's different kinds of water that are out there, and it can and, and it has a certain taste to it. Well, here's a water they couldn't drink; it was so bitter. It was something that was contrary to them. They needed the water, and as God begins to talk to them, and God begins to work in their lives, and God begins to lead them into that promised land, here they are at this point pausing, stopping, looking for water, looking for something. God provides it by giving them this clean, as it says here, sweet water that they could enjoy. But if you notice here very clearly in verse 25 that there's a statute and an ordinance that is set. There's a statute and an ordinance that is set, and the purpose is is to prove the nation of Israel. This is, if you will, to kind of test, to begin to see exactly what it is that they were going to believe. Are they going to believe the Lord? Are they going to believe uh, that he's going to care for them? Is he, are they going to believe what he tells them to do? It says very clearly in, in the last part of that verse, to prove them. He proved them. There at that place. But here he is setting up this statute and and, and ordinance, and I want us to see what this statute and ordinance is. And it starts right there in verse 26, and as it starts off in verse 26, and said, if, if thou, if thou. Now I want us to understand something here. This is, this is conditional. There's a, there's a term that is given out with this. And he, he, he wants it specifically, if thou will. Meaning that they need to do something. They specifically need to behave or do something in a certain manner in order to accomplish what God is asking them to do. Now look, we can take a look at that in our Christian life on a day-to-day basis. When we go through our our, our Christian life on a day-to-day basis, there's a lot of conditional things. Some people have an expectation that God's just going to bless them regardless. But let's understand, there are consequences to our actions, there are consequences to our words, there are consequences to our heart, and there are consequences to the affections of our heart. Our thoughts and affections of our heart, there are consequences. So when we begin to think about this, 
It is no small thing that he would say to them, if thou will. Putting a conditional clause here. And if it's done a certain way, then there will be a certain result. And here he's specifically talking about the diseases that came out of Egypt. And he's talking about how he's going to heal them and how he's already healed them. And he, he, he's talking about this conditional because he, he wants to set up this, this mindset. If you do this, then I, God, will do this. Because God wants us to do certain things and be obedient. And he makes it clear right there in the middle part of that verse where he says, this is what he will do. I will put none of these diseases upon thee. This is what God's going to do. God's going to provide them with health. God's going to provide them with protection. But 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 the, the terms and the conditions, if you will, of, of, of receiving that blessing, of that if thou will, starts off very clearly in verse 26, where it says, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. And I want to focus on that this morning. Now, obviously, there is this intent that when we hear, we're not to just be hearers, but we are to be doers. And he makes that clear here. He makes that very clear. He says, you need to hear and you need to do. You need to hear and you need to do. But I want to focus on this phrase, diligently hearken. Diligently hearken. When we come to a church service, there should be a desire to diligently hearken. Now, some people want to diligently hearken because of the person behind the pulpit. You should want to diligently hearken to the voice of God, not the man. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I don't want you coming to church for me. I want you to come in church for Jesus, <laughs> for God. There's a certain way that we go about viewing that, okay? Uh, when we, when we look at scripture here, he's saying, I don't want you to diligently hearken unto the words of Moses. I want you to diligently hearken unto the words, or specifically here, the voice of God. That's the same voice that we find walking, yes, walking in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. The voice of the word of God walking. Now, again, we can understand who that is and what that's about. But here we find that he tells the nation of Israel, he says, look, I want you to, I want you to listen, but I want you to look at how you're listening. I want you to analyze how it is you listen. Because hearken doesn't just mean to hear. We can hear things. We hear things all the time. We hear bits and pieces of conversation. We hear noises that go bump in the night. We hear all sorts of stuff, right? As I said one time, and not too long ago, I heard a large, you know, thump. It sounded like a body dropping downstairs. And I had no idea what it was. It just sounded like somebody had tried to make entry into the home and had tripped and fell. And that's how loud it sounded. And I didn't know what it was. And uh, it went down and investigated. And um, uh, our, our oldest dog, Daisy, had either uh, fallen off the couch when she was sleeping and hit her head 
or she had had some sort of seizure or something um because she was uh laying in a in a in a puddle uh from her and uh she was she was not she was not responding well she's fine now but something had happened but it started off with hearing a noise we hear a lot of things in this world we hear a lot of things if you go down to any busy city you go to new york you hear a lot of things something's not so good you go to the supermarket and you hear people's conversations and some of them are just scary. Some of them are, are, are profanity laced. And you hear that. Now again, when we, when we think about this, we hear a lot of things, but how much do we diligently listen to? When we diligently listen, this means we are listening intently with a desire to understand what is being said. Not just understand the words in, in, in their, you know, just the simple form, but to understand the intent, to understand the purpose, to understand the impact, to understand how it's going to influence and affect us, to understand all of those things as what is being said. We have to listen. We have to listen. When I went to college, there was a bunch of people, they, they, they were not the intent listeners. I mean, they would sit there in class and they'd be like this the whole time. Just looking at it or doodling or whatever it may be. And and, and you're sitting there and as you're intently listening, you look over at them and you can see they're checked out. They're mentally gone. And you're like, are you going to do well in the studies? And they're like, oh, I'll just read the book. Well, that works uh, if the, the the professor teaches out of the book or whether he teaches out of his lecture notes. So there's two different ways that they do that. And then there's the teacher that does neither. He doesn't teach out of the, or he doesn't give the, the tests out of the lecture and doesn't give it out of the, the, the book. It gives it out of what he thinks you should already know. It's like somehow, some way you were supposed to, you know, divine it through osmosis of what this guy was wanting you to understand. I've been in those classes, and they're tough. They're tough classes. Because it's usually a, a, a professor or an instructor that wants you to critically think in a certain way. Now, when we look at here what God's telling, he's saying, I want you to diligently listen to my voice. I want This was the statute and the ordinance that is given to the nation of Israel as a foundational principle as they're beginning to move into the promised land. They're heading there for that, that reason, for that purpose. He even says here in verse 26, if you go back over there, where he says, and will give ear to his commands. Will give ear. You know, when we give something up, we are giving it for the purpose of someone else. If, if I give something to a person, I am giving it to them with the intent of it becomes theirs. Now, I'm talking about borrowing or lending. I'm talking about giving. Like a gift. You don't go back and take a gift. Well, people try to do that, and it just it, it turns out horrible. But but the idea is is what do you do? You give something. You give something. This is why it's always it, you have to be very cautious when you start talking about individuals that that care for each other or are beginning to start a relationship. You have to be careful how you give your heart. First and foremost, 
giving your heart to another human being, you have to be very careful about that. Why? Because your heart isn't to be given to them. Your heart is to be given to God. And then God will handle the relationship. If both people are giving their hearts to God, then you have the foundation of a good relationship. Outside of that, yeah, we're talking hit and miss. It's, it's, it's going to be difficult. But what we look at here is he says, I want you to give ear. So part of the diligence in hearkening, the part of the diligently listening part is to give ear and to have it only tuned to the things of God. This is what the nation of Israel was expected to do. Now, we know the nation of Israel's story. We know that in the book of Exodus, at some point in time, they're going through all sorts of things, and they're going through all sorts of trials and troubles and problems and murmurings and complainings and battles and fights and so on and so forth. And God continues to deliver them and protect them and help them along the way. But still, when they get to the point where they come to the the the, uh, the promised land over there in the book of, Num- <coughs> book of Numbers, what happens? They decide they're not going to trust God. Even though God has shown them that he has done everything for them, they still decide, well, I'm not going to trust God. I dare say that happens to a lot of Christians. They trust him as their Lord and Savior. They trust him uh, to help out. They pray to him and they cry to him. But yet when a problem rises up or some situation occurs, the first place they go to is their own intellect or they'll go to their friends or they'll go to the Internet or they'll go somewhere else. But the last place that they go is, well, I guess maybe I need to try God now. No, that's the first place. That's the first place. Especially if we're giving our heart to him. Especially if we're giving our ear to him. We want to hear what his answers are. We want to hear what his commandments are. We want to be very diligent in this manner. And this is what diligence is. Diligence is is, is exerting a great effort to accomplish something. You're, you're, you're putting in a large amount of work to do something. You cannot be diligently lazy. <laughs> those are kind of oxymorons when you put those two together. They don't, they, they don't work together. Diligence, diligence and, and laziness are, are not compatible. Laziness is, is, is apathy and slothfulness and an uncaring mentality. As, as, as God says very clearly in the book of Proverbs, that the slothful man is the person that sits there and he won't even bring his hand up to his mouth to feed himself. He's so lazy. Now, diligence means that somebody goes out there and works and labors and puts in an effort and tries. Now, I'll say this very clearly, that, you know, the Christian life, the Christian life should not be about laziness. We shouldn't be lazy in, in, in what we are to do as Christians. We shouldn't be lazy in any instruction. We shouldn't be lazy in our edification. We shouldn't be lazy in our worship. We shouldn't be lazy in our studies. We shouldn't be lazy in any aspect of it. But the first part it starts off with is, are we lazy in listening? Are we lazy in listening? Here he tells the nation of Israel he doesn't want them to be that. We think about that definition of the word, and you know, again, diligence talks about attentiveness. 
Are we attentive attentive to the things that God teaches us? Do we even know what his voice sounds like? Now, again, you know, you're asking me, some people might ask the question, well, you're talking about a, a physical voice from heaven? No, I'm not talking about a physical voice from heaven. I'm talking about how the Holy Spirit leads us. And I dare say it is very difficult to explain that to somebody that has not trusted Christ as their Savior. Because they just don't get it. Why? Because to them, the things that are spiritual, they're foolishness. They don't get it. They don't understand it. But what happens here is we're talking about an attentiveness. It means that they are willing to listen. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody that is not attentive? Have you ever tried to talk to somebody that is unwilling to really truly listen? And they're kind of half-heartedly, casually listening. And you say something and then, and then they're kind of like, um, uh, yeah, oh, what was that? And they, 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 they don't, they haven't been paying attention to a thing you said. Now that's irritating and frustrating. And it is a bit of a great offense. And I dare say that everybody's guilty of doing that. But what we need to look at here is, is we're talking about being attentive to listening to God. You can't listen to God if something else is occupying your mind. You can't listen to God if there's something else in your heart. You can't listen to God if there's uh, other undue influence in your life. Not only is diligence talking about attentiveness, but it's talking about in great effort, but it's also talking about being careful with it. You care about how you listen. This is all things that we look at when we we talk about diligence. And again, part of diligence is also exercising a steady effort. Continual. It's not something that just, just happens, you know, just once or twice. But it is something that is continual. This message that is given to the nation of Israel, if thou wilt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, it came with a blessing attached to it, a promise. A promise. And the promises of God are great. Because God will always keep them. But this is a conditional one. This is conditional uh, blessing. This is a conditional provision, if you will. But the expectation is, is that there would be a st- constant, steady effort. It wasn't a one-time thing where, okay, I'm going to listen to you once, and then I'm not listening anymore. I'm going to listen for the purpose of healing, but then after that, I don't care anymore. That's not how it works with God. It is a continual diligence. It's kind of interesting. Again, you guys know that I like to look at the etymology of the word, but the two words that made up the word diligent and diligence, they have a very interesting background. It talks about singling out something that is highly valued, esteemed, or loved. The first part of it. The next part of it talks about to gather and to collect. And the original word diligence goes back to this meaning to pick out words specifically in the way that we speak 
to be diligent in our speech patterns, to say exactly what we intend to say, and then also to be diligently listening for those words. Why? Because we highly value and esteem them. The nation of Israel was supposed to highly value and esteem the word of God, so they were to put a diligence into it. It wasn't just a casual thing. I want us to take a look at a couple other passages. And and, and if you go over to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, you find that God says, I want us, I want the nation of Israel to be diligent. And when we talk about diligence in, 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 in listening, there's a diligence that is necessary for this human life. This is why we have to be diligent in our hearkening. This is why we have to listen with that intent to understand. Because look at what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, and I want you to take a look at verse 1. It says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go and possess the land which the Lord thy God uh, of your fathers giveth you. He says, you shall not add to the words which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you. So here he is saying, I want you to listen, and I specifically want you to listen so you don't add to it and you don't take away from it. Man, I know a lot of people that take away from the word of God and a lot of people that add to the word of God. You go over there and where Jesus Christ shows up in his ministry, the Pharisees had added a lot of things to the word of God and, that were traditions of men, and they had taken away the power. They had diminished it. It was more about the fleshly outward show than the true inward correction and love for God. That was the problem with the Pharisees. That's what makes a hypocrite. And what we find here is we find is we go into verse three. He says, your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of uh, Baal Peor. For all them that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. He said, look, all you that go out there that were following these false gods, what did God do? God took care of them. He destroyed them. And he says, you saw it. He says, but ye that clave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. He says, if you're standing in front of me right now, it's because you made a choice and a decision to listen. A choice and a decision to listen. And he says, behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my uh, uh, my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. He says, you're supposed to do it not only in the wilderness, but also in the land. When you go in there, he says, keep therefore and do them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people for what nation is there so great who hath God so uh, nigh unto them as the Lord, our God is in all things that, that we call upon him for right there was the purpose of the nation of Israel evangelism to the other nations, that they would take a look at that nation and they'd go, man, there's something different with those Israelites. Look at how close they are to their God. Look at how close they are to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at how close they are in that relationship. 
to all those heathen and Gentile nations that needed God, that were alienated from him. And here he says, For what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? He said, there's nobody else like it that has these type of laws that is doing these things that are righteous. He says, only take heed to thyself. And I want you to see this after you said all of this and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest they depart from all, uh, from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord God at Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather unto me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, that they may teach them to their children. He says, I want you to think about when you were making a covenant with God and God was speaking and you listened. He says, I want you to go back to that because this is how you're going to keep very specifically your soul diligently. You're going to guard it. We talked about keeping this morning. You're going to guard it. You're going to protect it. You're going to make sure nothing happens to it. You're going to watch over it. You're going to make sure it's secure. You're going to hold on to it. You're not going to lose it. In this day and age, when we say somebody has not trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what do we say? We say they're lost. When somebody needs to go find themselves, you know what that means? That means they need to go find Jesus Christ, and they will find that new creature that God will put in them. They will trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and there will be a newness of life that God has intended from the very beginning of mankind, that he would have that relationship with the Creator, with God. And when we see this here, we see exactly the same thing, the desire that's supposed to be there. And he says, keep thy soul diligently. Keep your place over there in the, in Deuteronomy. We were going to come back, but I want you to go over to the book of Proverbs. And I also want to keep your place in the book of Proverbs, but Proverbs chapter four. So if you have 15 hands, I want you to use all of them today. <laughs> but in Proverbs chapter four, and I want you to take a look here at one of the, the most important uh, principles that we see in verse 23. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence. This requires effort, okay? So not only are we diligently hearkening, but when we start looking at diligence in this life, we find very clearly that we're supposed to keep our heart with all diligence. Again, we've got that word keep. Guard, protect, take care of, treasure, highly value, esteem it. All of these things. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Man, if your heart stops, we call those things heart attacks. Myocardial infarctions, (laughs) whatever it may be. I mean, sure, we can throw some other things in there uh, uh, about different things that happen with a heart. People's hearts can fail. Those are problems. When the heart stops, you've got a serious issue. But this isn't talking about the physical heart. 
This isn't talking about heart health where you're making sure you're getting your antioxidants and your your uh, omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil or whatever it is, things of that nature, and making sure that the, the plaque and the arteries are scrubbed out and your triglycerides and your bad cholesterol and good cholesterol where they need to be. And so you're eating 15 million kiwis to scrub yourself clean, whatever it may be. And again, you know, I, I've done that before and, and, and the doctor's like, wow, you know, so there's a, yeah, we understand there's a physical things, but he's not talking about this here. He's talking about the spiritual matters. Our heart has to be kept away from the things that are going to cause an undue influence upon them. that are going to cause harm that are going to damage it, that could destroy it. And we're spiritually then ineffective. The nation of Israel got to that point, didn't they? I mean, do, do we really think that every single time they did that which was right in their own eyes, that they were effective for God? That they were doing what God said over there in, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, that they, other nations were seeing them? No, what did the other nations see? Oh, those guys, we're, we're going to go over there and get them because they're weak. They didn't view them as strong. They viewed them as weak. Why? Because they didn't have an association with the Lord God. That association with false gods. Interesting. So what do we see here? We see that we're supposed to be diligent in our heart and diligent in our soul. The things of life. Go back over to the book of Deuteronomy and and take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can keep your place there or put something over there in in Proverbs. We're going to come back to the book of Proverbs in just a moment. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6... Here he is, again, telling the nation of Israel, as he's already told them to be diligent with their soul, diligent in hearkening. And here we find in verse 16 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, "...ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Mesa." So very clearly he says, don't tempt me. You don't tempt God. That's not something you do. You don't try to get him to do evil towards you. You don't try to get him to uh, trick him or anything of that nature. That's not how God works. He says here, what are you supposed to do? Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded thee. You know what he's saying right here? In order, in the next verse, in order to do good, you've got to keep that. But what do you have to do? Diligently keep them. Not just casually. Not just casually memorize verses. Not just casually read your Bible as if it's a novel. Not just kind of somewhat study and maybe put a little effort into it. Look, there are people that put more effort into their hobbies than they will into the Word of God. There are people that will put more diligence into something else, their career, their education. They'll put more diligence into their family than they will the Word of God. And that's not right. Because very clearly, all of those things have to align with what God says. If we don't diligently keep them, His commandments, His statutes, His testimony, we're talking about the words of God, then we're going to have a problem. And guess what happens? We tempt God when we do that. We, we we tempt him to do when we're doing the wrong things. 
And that's not something we want to do. You don't want to, you don't want to lead anybody into a temptation. And you certainly don't want to sit there and continue to provoke and, 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 and if you will, just anger God. But what happens is, is when we don't diligently keep the word of God, when we don't diligently listen to keep our heart and our soul where it needs to be, we wind up in that position. We wind up in a very dangerous position. Go over to there to, to Deuteronomy chapter 11, and I want you to see this in Deuteronomy chapter 11. <clears throat> Here he is, and again, this is the next generation. The book of Deuteronomy is all to the generation that survived the wilderness. The others that were had died off because they were uh, not trusting the Lord. This is the generation that said they're going to go in and take the land and they're going to trust the Lord to give it to them. And what we find here is in verse 13, it says, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord thy God, your, your God, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. That I will give you the rain of your land in His due, in his due season, the first rain, the latter rain, that thou mayest gather thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. He says, "Look, you want it to rain in that new land that you have over there. You've got to do something." Has anyone been over to Israel? Kind of looks like a little bit of a desert now, doesn't it? <laughs> and you look around it and you go, really, this is the land of promise? <laughs> Where's the milk and honey? Where's, why? It's all gone because they didn't diligently hearken. That land is waiting for them. And here he says, there's going to be consequences. You know, there's consequences to how we listen. And he says this very clearly. He says in verse 13, and it shall come to pass if ye shall diligent, or hearken diligently. If ye shall hearken diligently. You know what that means? That means to not listen halfway. That means to not feign interest. You know, there are certain conversations that you just can't have over the phone. Why is that? Because what happens? You get the person on the phone, and, and I'm guilty of doing this. I'm at work, and I'm talking with my coworker, and we communicate almost on a daily basis about what's going on at work. And again, I'm not sitting there saying we're complaining and we're, we're, we're moaning and griping, but we're talking about how do we handle this issue? How do we handle this issue that came up? What are we doing about this certain, uh, you know, uh, customer and this certain agreement and so on and so forth? We're constantly talking about are the things that come into our queue for us to do. We're, 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 we're constantly in communication. But as both of us are doing that and we're having that conversation, we're also sitting there typing. We're trying to multitask. You know what? I will say this. Mankind are that we're horrible at multitasking. We like to think that we're good at it, but let's be honest, we're not. We're not. Don't multitask when you're doing the things of God. Don't multitask when you're reading. Don't multitask when you're in church. And some people will sit there and say, "Well, I can check Facebook while this guy's preaching." By the way, I see everything that goes on up here. All right. <laughs> just, just, just so you know. 
But you know, you get somebody on the phone and, 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 and you can hear them clacking on the keyboard. You can hear them doing something, shuffling something around, whatever it may be, uh, turning a page or whatever, wh- whatever is there. Maybe, maybe you don't have great hearing and you can't hear that. Praise God for that. But <laughs> I hear all that stuff on the other side. And, 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 and to a degree, I understand that they may not hear exactly what I'm saying. So I, I will put in key words or I'll put in certain pauses or I will say things with a certain inflection so people will listen and they will hearken and they will understand. But you know, here's the word of God and he says there are consequences to listening. There's this old joke that runs around about this magician that would sit there and say that how great he was in his uh, his acts that he could do and and uh, his, uh, you know, the sleight of hand and all that stuff. He was talking about how he could hold his breath for a long period of time. He would boast and he said, I can hold my breath for like three minutes underwater. And uh, and he was uh, boasting about that because this uh, this uh, child came up to him and said, uh, I, I, let me let me get this straight. You can you can hold. Hold your breath for three minutes. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the child looks at him and says, you know what? I can be underwater for 10 minutes. And the, the magician said, no, you can't. That's physically impossible. You'll die. And, and the, the child says, I bet you $10,000. If a child's that determined and is going to bet you $10,000, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And the magician's like, okay, $10,000. I want to see it. 10 minutes underwater. Child goes over, grabs a cup, fills it with water. He says, start the timer. As the cup's over his head, he was under water. That magician got tricked. Why? Because he didn't diligently listen. Now we think about this all the time. I mean, there's tons of riddles that uh, exist about that. Uh, I mean, there's, there's tons of illustrations that can be used. But, but I use that kind of humorous little story to get us to the point of where we have to begin to really try to desire to hear what God says. Have you ever heard something that you thought was said that really actually wasn't said? I mean, we hear things all the time. The other day we were on the phone with, with, uh, with Abby and she was saying the word, uh, you know, I should say Skype. Uh, with Abby over there in Florida and she was saying the word charity and, and I, I kept hearing the word cherry. She was like dropping the tea in it. And I was like, cherry? And I'm, I'm looking at, at, at Abby or looking at Amy and, and, and Emma. I'm like, cherry? Cherry? What? What? What are we talking about? And she's no charity. I'm like, oh, we got to learn to listen, right? got to learn to listen about the context of it. We have to learn how to put things the way they're supposed to be according to the Word of God. We have to, we have, to have this desire there. Turn over to the book of Proverbs. As I said, keep your place there and turn to Proverbs chapter 21. Why? Because there's consequences. There's consequences. 
You know, sometimes a person may mishear something and they lose out on something. Maybe they heard a different date. Maybe they heard a different time and they missed out on a freebie or something that was being given away. Or they missed out going to a certain place at a certain time with, with who they were, whoever they were going to go to. Or, or, or they may have missed something at work because they didn't hear it the right way. Whatever it is, there are consequences that happen. So when we begin to listen intently and we begin to listen and hearken diligently, then we see that there are these certain benefits that occur. Proverbs chapter 21, and he says here in verse 5, this is a verse, if you're into underlining passages in your Bible, excuse me, this is a good one. It says, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plentiness, but every one that is hasty only to want. You know, somebody that is diligent, there are benefits. Now, I, 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 I say this verse to, to get us to the point of, of, of this understanding, and, I, and I'm quoting it here and, and reading it here so that we can understand something. As a Christian today, you have to ask yourself, do you want to grow in Jesus Christ? Now, every Christian should say yes. Every Christian should have that desire. If you don't have that desire, then you need to figure out what's wrong. You've got a problem in the heart. That's a different subject matter. There's something there that is, is hindering you from growth. There's something from hindering the desire to grow. And I guarantee you, I know exactly what it is. It's sin. Okay? But I'll tell you this, if you are a Christian today and you are a Christian that truly believes the word of God, you are going to want to grow. And specifically, you know what you're going to want to do when you grow? You're going to want to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. The right kind of fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. All those things that we see over in Galatians chapter 5. So here we are, and if you want to be plenteous in that, and you want to bear much fruit for your Savior, and you want to grow very much in the Lord, then you have to be diligent, because it is the diligent that tends to the plenteous. The lazy doesn't. Look, Again, I, I say this in counseling. I say this in many places. There is no such thing as a Jesus pill that you can take and wake up the next morning and everything is fixed. And you are now super Christian. You're not going to get by a spirit, bit, bit, bit by a spiritual spider and become super spiritual man. Okay. It doesn't work that way. I mean, we, we want it to work that way. I mean, come on. But he says, if you're hasty in that, you know what's going to happen? You're just going to be finding wanting and wanting and wanting and never fulfilling things in your life. You're going to live a life that is unfulfilled. Why? Because you're always going to be wanting. You're always going to be coveting. You're always going to be lusting. And you're never going to have enough, according to the book of Ecclesiastes. So now we begin to realize that when there is a diligence put in, there is a consequence to that, and there's a growth that begins to occur. 
So we have to listen diligently. I want to take a look at two more passages. And, and, and again, to bring it back to diligently listening to the Word of God, I want us to turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, and then we're going to turn to Romans. But find the book of Hebrews first, in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's talking about faith, and it's talking about uh, uh, the, the, how faith works, how faith is uh, about believing the Word of God and obeying it. And I dare say this, that that faith and the Word of God are closely tied together. And what we find in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. It is impossible to please God if you do not have faith. He says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So in Hebrews 11.6, in this great passage about faith, he makes it clear that as a Christian, as a believer, somebody that says they believe the word of God, that you are going to exhibit faith and going to please the Lord by exhibiting that faith, and it's going to be a reward about it. And how is that reward brought about when you diligently seek God? When you diligently seek God. You know, a lot of people don't diligently seek God. You know what they want? They want, they want to see a sign in the sky. They, they, they want what the rich man wanted for his family. He wanted Lazarus raised from the dead to, to go tell his family about hell. And you know what uh, Abraham's response to that was? They wouldn't believe even if one did raise from the dead. Now think about that. There are nine resurrections accounted for in Scripture. Only one has a special power with it. And that was Jesus Christ. And how many people do not believe that? Disciples didn't believe. He had to upbraid them over there in Mark chapter 16 for their unbelief. But what do we find here? Very specifically, we find that God says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You want to know who God is? You diligently seek him in your, in the word. You want to know what he's about, what his will is? You, you diligently seek him. Here. And faith comes specifically from the word of God. Because if you go over to Romans chapter 10, which I just referenced in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, God makes it clear. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's the connection. There's the connection. So here we find all of these things tied together, going back to our original verse over there in the book of Exodus, where he says to them, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord. The nation of Israel, we see time and time again, they didn't diligently hearken. And I dare say that many times our Christian life winds up being a repeat of the book of Judges or the history of Israel or the history of the kings doing right in the eyes of the Lord and then not doing right in the eyes of the Lord. 
But what we have to get to a point is, is where we go back to that elementary principle that he told the nation of Israel. He set up a statute and an ordinance, and this was to prove them and to show exactly what was in their heart. Will you diligently hearken? Are you listening with the intent to understand? Are you listening with the intent to have the heart affected? Are you listening with the intent to grow? Are you listening with the intent to be fruitful for Jesus? Are you listening to be intent on understanding the will of God and who He is? Are we diligent? God says we're not supposed to be slothful in business in Romans chapter 12. That's part of the transformed mind. Now, when he says slothful in business, he's not talking about business transactions, okay? He's not talking about what we think business is today. You know what business was and what business really is? The occupation of your time. What keeps you busy? Busyness. Business. That's what it's about. We're not supposed to be slothful in what we're doing for the Lord. We're not supposed to be slothful in what we occupy our time with. We're not supposed to be slothful in any work or anything of that nature. But the very first thing that we need to start with is not being slothful in listening, but diligently hearkening unto the voice of the Lord our God. Meaning that what we do is we listen to this more than anything else. Nothing else in this world. The Holy Spirit uses this to teach us. This is why we listen. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time that you've given to us. And I thank you again for this principle that we see with the nation of Israel and the principle that we see in Scripture. And Lord, I pray that we would be diligent. I pray, Lord, that we would purpose here today to do such. And Lord, as we sing some hymns, as we take a time to reflect and meditate on what uh, you've given us from your word, the Lord, we would truly hearken diligently to it. The Lord, we would truly listen with the intent of understanding the blessings, the promises, and the consequences of all that we say and do. Lord, so that we would please you and honor you all the days of our life. Lord, I thank you again for all that you've given to us in Scripture and the salvation that we have through you. And Lord, again, I just pray that you would be with all of us as we think on this and as we close with these uh, these hymns this morning. But Lord, if there is somebody here that hasn't been diligent about salvation, that hasn't listened to you showing them that they need you as their Savior, that needs you in their life so that they can have a home in heaven, so that they can have forgiveness of sins, so they don't have to face eternal torment and damnation. But Lord, that they would be saved from those things by the power of your resurrection and what you did on the cross for us. 
Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here today, you would just work in their hearts. And I ask and pray this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.